Maya Lin, the designer of the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in Washington, D.C., was once asked by a reporter why she thought it was that her work seemed to have such a strong grip and deep emotional impact on people. The design of the memorial, as you may know, is fairly simple, consisting of slabs of black granite rising out of the earth, just eight inches at the outer edges, but climbing to over 10 feet at the highest point. Over 58,000 names are inscribed on the wall in chronological order. Who's been there? Who's seen it? Show of hands. For those of you who haven't seen it, on the screens and the monitors in Fellowship Hall and in the narthex, there are a couple of images of it if you want to take a look. It might provide a little bit of context. While there was some controversy over the design of the memorial, over the years, many visitors report being overcome with emotion and being deeply moved. So the reporter wanted to know, what was it about the memorial that caused this powerful effect? Maya Lin answered, she said, it's the names. The names are the memorial. No edifice or structure can bring people to mind as powerfully as their names. The very same thing might be said of the gospel reading from John for today. You heard it a moment ago. It's the story of John the Baptist's witness to Jesus as the Lamb of God. It's important to note that in these very few verses, Jesus is given four different names. He's called Lamb of God, and Rabbi, and Son of God, and Messiah. Four unique names, each one at work on the reader, attempting to flesh out a different aspect of the identity of the baby born in the manger, of the boy teaching in the temple, and of the carpenter from Nazareth who came proclaiming good news for all people. Of this, it must be said, it's the names, right? Lamb of God, Rabbi, Son of God, Messiah. It's impossible to explain who Jesus is without reference to a lengthy list of names, each one providing some sliver of insight into his true identity. It's the names. The Gospel reading concludes with a story told from beginning to end in just two verses. It goes like this. When Andrew realized that he had found the Lamb of God, the Messiah, he hurried home to find his brother and bring him to Jesus. Now, take a moment and just imagine with me how excited and nervous Andrew must have been at the thought of being in a position to make such an introduction. I mean, there they would be, the three of them, with Andrew standing between Jesus and Simon, and he would say, Simon, this is Jesus, the Messiah. And then he would turn and look at Jesus and say, and Jesus, this is my brother. Of course, Andrew didn't get the chance to do the introduction, because when Jesus saw Simon, for the very first time, Jesus said, You are Simon, 
son of John, and then you will be called Peter. Turns out Jesus already knew his name, and then he changed it. Name changes in the Bible are not unheard of. Sarai and Abram become Sarah and Abraham. Jacob becomes Israel. Saul becomes Paul. Each name change signifies a defining moment in that person's life. The childless couple gives birth to a son named Isaac. The deceitful one wrestled with God and survived. The persecutor of Christians became a missionary and spread the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. In each case, the new name was representative of God calling someone into a fuller expression of who they were made to be. So Simon becomes Peter, the rock upon whom the church is built. If you know anything about Peter, you are certain to know this. At first, there is little evidence that he lived up to or into his new name at all. Peter tried to walk on water at Jesus' bidding, but when he began to doubt, he began to sink. Later, Peter argued with Jesus about what was to come, causing Jesus to rebuke him, saying, Get behind me, Satan. And when it mattered most, Peter denied Jesus three times. And then, failing to keep watch with the Lord, Peter fell fast asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before the crucifixion. All of which might legitimately raise the question, what did Jesus see in Simon that caused him to change his name to Peter? What did Jesus see in him that caused him to make Peter the foundation of the church? Humanly speaking, Peter was far from solid. On his own, he was a doubter, a coward, and overconfident. On his own, in so many ways, he was ill-equipped for his calling. And yet, it was Peter, the very same Peter, who declared, You are the Christ the son of the living God. And it was Peter who preached a sermon so moving and so effective that 3,000 people were baptized in one day. And it was Peter who wrote, I, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, as the opening to his two letters which hold a place in the New Testament. So say what you will about Simon, but this much is true. He spent all of his days growing into his new God-given name, a gift of pure grace, unearned, undeserved, but undeniably and completely reflective of who he was made to be. The same can be said of you. On the day of your baptism, you, just like Sarai and Abram and Jacob and Saul and Simon, you too were given a new name, Christian, beloved child of God. It's a name that you neither earned nor deserved. It's a name that comes as pure gift, calling you into a fuller expression of who God made you to be, 
and it is a name that you will spend the rest of your life growing into. Just like Simon Peter, you will fail and fall many times in this life, and with Christ, you will rise up again and start anew as often as needed, even as often as every single day. It's said that when Martin Luther became overwhelmed and conflicted and life was hard and nothing seemed to be right, he would look in the mirror and he would say, You are baptized, Martin. You are a child of God. And that was enough. Preacher and theologian William Willimon, reflecting on his own baptism, wrote these words. God manages to work wonders despite our ineptitude. And becoming a Christian is something done to us and for us before it is anything done by us. As an infant, he continued, I was a passive recipient. Someone had to hold me, administer the water, tell the story of what had been done and the promise of what he would do. Somebody had to model for me the life of faith. It was all gift, all grace. I, he says, am the product of a human family with all the goodness and badness of most any family. Yet, as my baptism signified, I was also a gift of God. And then he concludes with this line. Heaven was mixed up in who I was and was to become. So also we might say, for Sarai and Abram and Jacob and Saul and Simon and you, heaven is all mixed up in who you are right now and who you are to become. The resurrected Christ renames you today and every day. You are Christian, a beloved child of God. Amen.